Oh, Agent Starling, you think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool? No. I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor wire trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. What is your father to you? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the land? You know how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the backseats of cars while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the end. You see a lot, Doctor. But are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you... Why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? Or maybe you're afraid to. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You fly back to school now, little Starling. not seen Sansa Lambs, right? No, I hadn't seen either of these before. Oh, shit. Sansa the Lambs was extraordinarily massive. <laughs> this shit was like a cultural thing. I remember uh, finding the DVD box or the tape, like the cassette sleeve, very unsettling in Blockbuster. The white face and the moth across and the, moth, the lips? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of buck wild. Yeah. When we used to still make good movie posters for our movies. Very provocative, I would definitely say. Too many floating heads these days. <laughs> the, the heads be floating. The heads be floating. But the amount of awards that this was nominated for is pretty significant. When we talk about like the top five category, well, the top like above the line categories, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and it all swept. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, I'm very certain that everything everywhere all at once is the first movie since this actually do that. But um, did actually, Parasite do that? I don't think it got well, best I guess it didn't get the actress. acting. Yeah. And technically, everything everywhere didn't get best actor. I got best supporting actor. Sounds of the Lambs got the big four, basically. And also, it got best adapted screenplay, basically. So this was pretty massive what were your first thoughts about silence of the lambs pretty good i liked it all the bits were bidding (laughs) okay i thought it did a really great job of balancing like tension with like stuff i thought it was a fairly realistic look at the fantasy of cia training yeah but also the 
even the realities of the fantasy of that training, you know, given like that women are being treated the way women are often treated and such. Yeah. The one thing that I noticed about it is that, and this is the only thing that I could really criticize about it at all, is that some of the, like, I'd say not the main five characters, but everyone else, all of that other dialogue seems like it was written on autopilot. (laughs) So, like, the fact that the only black characters with any lines talks completely differently than everybody else and, like, has a lot of, like, girl and mm, and I was like, okay. And, like, every single one of the cops is just like, hey. Uh, yeah. Like, it draws attention to people acting in a way that, like, the Anthony Hopkins performance does not. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it, it seems like this very real scary man in a fake world, which is weird. <laughs> and and it doesn't happen all the time, but, like, there are a couple of scenes where I noticed it. That's why it's only a four and a half for me. Because I was like, oh, oh, uh, uh, oh. Like, the senator <laughs> is one where it's like, I am acting. This is how people speak. And I was like, crawly pop. Hilarious. That's no. Funny. So, I definitely know what you're talking about. Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and Scott Glenn and Televine, like, they're throwing with gas. And, like, everyone that's not them, for the most part, is, like, you know, happy to be here. We, we're good utility guys. You know, so... Uh, and especially for Hopkins, like, Hopkins' performance in this is just so devilish and so creepy, but he's, like, he's fully believable the entire time, like, he's on screen. And he's so captivating when he's on screen also, like, you can really see why Clarice would be super intrigued by him. Yeah, and I also can see why he's interested in her. She's got these big fucking eyes that <laughs> you could swim in. Yeah. She does have this a uh, huge amount of cynicism, but also like a large amount of optimism and like thoughtfulness that clearly was like groomed into her at some point. Yeah. It's not like she's like, I will destroy your drawings if you are mean to me. She will leave the drawings even if he refused to help her. Yeah. And I think that is such an interesting show of character. It makes me like her more. Oh, yeah. Jodie Foster was really endearing in this movie. And I think she was, when we think about like leads in these movies where obviously like Anthony Hopkins... He's supposed to be Hannibal Lecter, as is all knowledgeable, all smart, all cunning, and villainous person. But for her, the way she plays it, she's so observatory. Like, she's like a great avatar for the audience to where, like, if we come with all our baggage, but we're still trying to at least learn and try to outsmart this genius. But I think the dance that she does with him, like, in all these scenes, like, I think the scenes that she shares with him are the best scenes in the movie. I agree. And I also think that, I think it must just be the earnestness, right? Yeah. Where, like, she is earnest, but she's not a rube. She's observatory, but she's not cold. Yeah. She's a professional, and, and she's here to do her job, and she knows what right and wrong is, but, like, there are situations where you can tell she's not happy about it. And it's such a good performance. 
in that way. And like, I do feel a little bit like the gender politics of this movie as it pertains to her. That's still kind of what it's like being a woman in like a male dominated field. Some of the other stuff. (laughs) Like what? Like what? Them repeatedly referring to size 14 girls is big. When at the time, (laughs) size 14 was the national average size of women. I mean, Fatphobia has no limits. Most of them are teenagers. Like, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And also, this man just thinks he's a transsexual, but actually wants to make a skin suit out of women to, like, feel the inside of a woman's skin. Like, mm. (laughs) I think it's handled pretty well for what it is. And the time that it was, yeah. Not even for the time that it was, because at least Dr. Lecter's like, no, he's not actually, this is not a trans person. Like, this is an insane person who has conflated these two things. But that doesn't mean that that's how transphobic people would interpret that. Yeah. So, you know, give it up for Dr. Lecter, trans ally, I guess. But, like... (laughs) I mean, in in 91, I don't know if there's a lot of of folks that are like that. Yeah, it it just, like, I don't know how to describe it except to say that, like, something rubbed me the wrong way. Obviously, besides, like, the actual murdering and whatnot. Yeah. But, like, I, I can't quite describe what it is. Because I think they did the best job they could with this person is a murderer and also wants to, like, wear women's clothing. Yeah. And thing. so, yeah. And so I think it is a very difficult line if you want to have these queer or at least queer posing villains, but their queerness is, like, the actual reason they're doing crimes. And so that's why you have the scene where it's important that Hannibal specifically says no, he he's actually not trans. Like, he's something far more villainous. But I think for the average person, they still may not interpret that. They still may think because he's gay or he's trans that he's he's just a murdering psychopath. Yeah, I also... Uh, this is the thing that made me super uncomfortable. Now, I don't know if this line, like, originated as a thing people said, like, before this. But the, would you fuck me, I'd fuck me? I was like, that's... Th- Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I'll just say I have not seen that in movies before this movie. I, I will just say that I see people fucking that that has entered the vernacular in such a like self care way. <laughs> so I just really think it's it's so funny that he truly gate kept gaslit girl bossed his way in their way i don't know uh, we'll go with their way their way into the live <laughs> laugh love vernacular oh my god <laughs> i mean <laughs> this movie this movie was effective cat this movie was a cultural phenomenon i have watched people put on lipstick and like fix their hair real quick and be like would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. And I'm just like, now I'm like, ah! Hey. <laughs> Cat, you may find out there's a Buffalo Bill inside of Saul. <laughs> oh, I would just like to say that everybody deserves to feel pretty. Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. There it is. Absolutely. I co-signed But also, this was, you know, not a murdering psychopath. 
you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so if you heard people say that, then this is the origin for it, Kat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, my God. Clay County, West Virginia. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> so, was there any other thing in the movie that you identified that you were a little bit uneasy with, or, or was I it mean, just kind of that? This is going to sound so insane, but I feel like at this point I'm so desensitized from seeing dead bodies. I mean, there are a lot of dead bodies in this movie. Yeah. A lot. You kind of warned me last week that it might be a little bit itchy for me, but I've realized that my itchiness is very much dependent on people being alive. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, like, no, I, I thought it was really good. I'm It was appropriately hyped. I just, the, some of the overwritten this is acting moments the prison ward like he's like he's he's on a 15 where he needs to be like on an eight he's like i you know i'm sure that he like entered the audition and was like i went to julie hard like <laughs> so, <laughs> so the subtlety with which i deliver my methods I do like that he just was like, my punishment is having to listen to a really loud gospel program. And I'm like, you murdered somebody. And they're just like, God, asshole, listen to him. Chilling. Anthony healed. He's like a that 90s guy. Like he's like he's been in so much shit. and He's only played pretentious assholes so I, he has the eyebrows for it so he does and the fucking suits he wore this whole movie was, was he looks like the mayor from fucking jaws oh my god yes in a time machine brought to 1991 absolutely <laughs> i wanted to ask you so obviously in the movie there are i guess like undercurrents of starling and Lecter. Do you think Jack Crawford was into Clarice? In the passive way that every man considers what a woman owing them favors might mean. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, I dig. I dig. But not in a way that I, like, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would choose to, like, press an advantage like that. Yeah. Unless the opportunity to press an advantage like that was literally presented to him on like a plate with a garnish and candles and a tablecloth yeah i mean the handshake at the end makes me think like he's decided that chapter of them has ended yeah because it does really seem like he's more proud of her like a daughter in that moment yeah when he like evokes the dad and stuff yeah but i I think that it is a thing that transitions throughout the film when he's worried that she's gonna die and it's his fault i think that's where the twist happens right that's where it goes yeah. from like eh, she's pretty she's pretty good at her job and she's got she's pretty thick though to oh, like oh shit like my little girl <laughs> yeah yeah because every time i've watched this movie i feel like the narrative is pushing that at least but this last time this last time watching it Actually, I didn't I didn't agree that he was actually trying to do it. I did think what you said as far as like that father figure, like role model piece, like I think it was more that than the actual let me lay Clarice. No, I think I think it is in that way that every guy sorts women 
fairly quickly into fuckable or my mom. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I guess now it. is probably a good time to be like, eh, not all men. Eh, but since, until I can't tell uh, which men they are, it's all men. Like, exactly. but you know, like, all well, let me let me put it this way: the way that fictional men all do that. Yeah. And then I think as she like proves that she not only is a good detective and a good person, then he starts to care for her when he starts to see her as more than a wet sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think Scott Glenn did a good job with the character though. I think he was really solid in his role. Yeah, I agree. I know I talked about Hopkins and I do love his performance in this, but what did you think about the Hannibal Lecter character? Oh, I think he he's so good. I've seen that whole performance in clips, I think. So I really yeah, wasn't probably. expecting to be surprised by it, but I was. He's like, I'll, I'll know if you're lying. And I'm just like, of course he will. <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah. so like, he just throws off these things that seem like supernatural, right? Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, of course, you weird, balding old man. You know, or when he's like, I, I hope you know that I, I like I won't be coming after you. I hope you can extend me the same courtesy. I'm like, even if she says no, he's not going to do it unless his hand is forced. Now, I'm aware there's multiple sequels to this movie. So I'm sure at some point in a television two television shows, I'm yeah. sure at some point, you know, that changes. But at least in the complete arc of this film, I believe that he's just like, good job. <laughs> Your reward is I'm not going to kill you. Yeah. Do you think she was into him? No. Ooh. I also don't think that he was into her either, by the way. At least not in, like, a that way. Because mm. I don't know that someone like him is capable of that. Yeah. I think that he saw why other people would be. And I think that he truly kind of tried to play into the opposite of how the other men talk to her. Yeah. So the way that I would describe it is that I think that she admired him kind of against her will. But I don't necessarily think it's romantic or sexual. I think it's it's like when you meet somebody that like you feel like you've known forever and like sometimes that's a positive and sometimes it's like <laughs> ew. Hilarious. Yeah. You, you know what I mean though? Where like sometimes when it feels like you've known someone forever, it feels almost invasive. Even if you haven't known that you're like what ew. Like get at the <laughs> So I think that she admires him because he picks up on who she is so quickly. And I think because he is a really good manipulator and is actively trying to be the opposite of the bullshit she's had to deal with with previous men. Yeah. I do think that that makes her lean in more and makes her more vulnerable and does make her admire him. But I also think, like, there's a head in a jar. He killed a man. <laughs> like He killed multiple people. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about the guy who, who flicked, her, flicked the jizz at her. Yeah. Like, he killed that guy. He and killed I the police, think, too. Yeah, but he didn't do that for her. He uh, just did that. Touche. That was for him. <laughs> and presumably also the ambulance people, but... Yeah, they died. RP. <laughs> RP. Whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Like, I... Collateral to, damage. To, well, no, just to get back to my thesis before I lose it. I think that she admired him, but I also think she felt invaded by him. And yeah. I think that there is tension with herself about if she's okay with that invasion or not. Yeah. But to me, it is more about her, like, learning to trust herself 
to me, the great love story of this movie is her and the system, which is disappointing. <laughs> yeah. I see the tension and I think that he manipulates the tension, but I think once she gets the feel for the fact that it has been manipulated, it becomes more predatory and less like romantically interesting to her. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. It does. And I think that Hannibal and I think Jack Crawford are basically opposite sides of the same coin. And if you can see that Crawford isn't necessarily interested in her and the handshake is kind of there, I acknowledge you, I see you, and it's time to go. As like a person, not just as an object. Yeah. Then the phone call is kind of the same thing. Yeah, I feel like in some ways they go kind of in opposite directions. Well, they end up in the same place, but she does her job adequately enough that they are both forced to reckon with her as more than just available woman. Yeah. I think that that's important. It is, definitely. I also think that it is really through the way that she is right and she trusts herself I think that is how you see her kind of fall out of infatuation with Hannibal. Yeah. Because she figures it out. He helps, obviously, but she figures it out and she's right. And she does it by herself. Yeah. While the girl in the well just screams at her. Like, she's not even like, (laughs) it's not like this girl is like, thank you for trying to help. She's like, fuck you. Pay me. Get me the fuck out of this goddamn hole. You fucking fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And so she's able to concentrate while that's happening. All the steps are really important, I feel like. And I feel like all of those pieces make her feel complete in herself. So she no longer needs the validation from either of them. Although in both cases, I think it is nice. Yeah. I only watched like one of the sequels and I barely remember it. So I'm not even going to try to guess what even happens in it. I just remember a bunch of my friends. Red Dragon was described to me as... The last vestiges of a pre-9-11 world. <laughs> and I'll be honest. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. I, I'm just like, people have also said that about Shrek. I mean, <laughs> they're not wrong. I mean, Kat, this, the 2001 and like early 2002 movies, like, they're holding on. And then when those other movies started coming, it was uh, a different world, buddy. It was a different world. But I'm not watching Red Dragon so or Hannibal, whatever the fuck it was called. So I'll probably watch the Hannibal television show at some point. Really? Yeah, it's by the Pushing Daisies guy. Okay. Well, you got to report back. Got to report back. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama proved. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool and sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation so Daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Oh wait, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks y'all. I love the podcast so please Try to join. But if you know him. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now? I want to tell you my secret now. 
dreams while you're awake. Dead people like in graves and coffins. Walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. How often do you see them? The second movie on our docket is a movie that I truly wish I had amnesia watching just so I can actually experience it. This is probably the fastest spoiled movie of all time. Like basically that and like <laughs> that and Blair Witch were these cultural phenomenons of where the movie came out and the internet is bubbling and no one has any fucking couth. So Blair Witch and Sixth Sense got immensely spoiled, like, right away. And kind of took that innocence away of knowing, like, what happens and what doesn't happen. And so I vividly remember, like, oh, well, the gas is kind of let out the balloon on this one. But watching it all these years later still... I still think it's actually a pretty interesting movie, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And so, did you know like what what happened? Like, did you know like the big tail? Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> I was talking before the before you saw the movie, you knew, right? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. I see dead people. It's it's there's a Simpsons episode about it. Okay, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There it's was actually, every flavor of meme you could imagine about it. it. It totally was. You know, the funny thing is what I thought of for M. Night and Knock at a Cabin. I thought about Spielberg and the Fablemans. And I thought about Scorsese and Killers of the Flower Moon to where you have these directors who are dozens of years in their career. But the core of the movies that they're putting out now are basically the core of all their movies. Like for M. Night... I feel like the crux of every movie he has is deeply emotional, deeply complicated, and deeply hurt people who are just trying to make it to the end. And for Killers of the Flower Moon and Scorsese, I think his core his core thesis of all of his movies are white people are parasites and depraved. <laughs> it's like, Killers of the Flower Moon is a wild fucking movie. If I'm ever able to sit upward uh, or upright for that long again, I'll go see it. I will say it's a good movie, but I will say the violence against women will be troubling to sit through. I will say that. Shocker. Yeah, so uh, enter at your own risk. But I do think for M. Night Shyamalan, it's so funny. I think The Sixth Sense and Knock at the Cabin are almost the same movie, except... I think the performance from Haley Joe Osment is is doing so much work in the best possible way. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that I think M. Night probably had his best movie that early in his career, but I still appreciate Knocking the Cabin and I, I still appreciate Sixth Sense all these years later. Yeah, I mean also let's not forget that his uh his career's not over yet. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if Knock at the Cabin is any 
indicator. I don't know. Maybe we're about to have another Shamalassance. I would welcome the new M. Night movie that comes out. I would welcome that. I think Knock in the Cabin was a real good surprise as far as, for me, someone, I wasn't on the um, the action super comic movie thingamajig that he, that he was, like, putting up. Like, I didn't watch, like, any of those except the original Unbreakable. And I actually liked Unbreakable, but I didn't follow along with the, any other movies. But if he does something like, you know, the next thriller by M. Night, I'll be, I'll be tapped in. I... Really expected it to not be good. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest too. I didn't know how it would age. Like, I um, truly why didn't is know. every performance in this movie the best? And that's why it was a cultural phenomenon also. If the movie was bad, the twist gets out, no one gives a shit. But the movie is so good that the twist had no choice but the leak. Yeah. But like the wife... Oh, the wife and the happy anniversary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even her, who, if you think about it, she literally has, like, four, five lines, six maximum the entire movie. But everything that she's emoting, she's doing heavy lifting with just her body and not her and, words. So I, and just, the like, the lines where you can't see her, but you can hear her. Yeah. Oh, they're so sad. Yeah. And then and then even if you know the twist, it's like such good at like I was just so impressed with like watching the movie. I was like, if you didn't know, like if you woke up from a coma and you got to watch this without the twist, there's no way you could see that coming. Yeah, it's and, and then <laughs> it's so densely packed and like well woven into the script like, I ran back that dinner scene a handful of times, right? Yeah. Where I was like, there's got to be some tell that she can't see him. And I was like, no, she's just mad at him. Like, Yeah, yeah. And she is, because he died. But, like, we don't know that. Except <laughs> that we know that, because we all are post-1999. Yeah. It's, it's really good, man. It's really good. I don't think we, other than, like children's movies that we have covered this is probably the best children's performance we've actually covered on an episode right yeah if i were an actor at all that is the type of performance that i would be terrified of after the fact because yeah. now that is what everyone is going to associate you with forever and unfortunately that happened yeah like yeah, and so it's it's like, even though his performance was so great, that's that's just too young to be that massive. Yeah, and it's like, then he does pay it forward. <laughs> I I know Kevin Spacey is Kevin Spacey now, but back then I really liked Pay It Forward. <laughs> pay It Forward was really interesting. It's probably age like milk, post uh, what we know about Kevin Spacey now, but I used to really like Pay It Forward. Yeah, and then... Oof. Right, oh yeah, he's in the Country Bears movie. Oh, oh wow, okay. Oh, As right. Barry Barrington. Oh wow. You know what, I never watch AI. I need to watch... People love the Spielberg AI movie. I, I guess he's good in it, I don't know, but I need to watch that. But, uh... <sighs> After that, he uh, he just decided to be a grown-ass man. 
<laughs> but uh I don't yeah. know how you could stop growing. Touche. Touche. Oh, I forgot he did American Buffalo. What's American Buffalo? It's a a David Mamet play. It's really good, but it's real heavy. And he did that in 2008 when he was like is 20ish. 2008, yeah, he he would have yeah. been in his 20s by then. He's on The Boys. I watched like the first season of The Boys and I've looked back. <laughs> I've looked back. So I uh I watched like the first three episodes and then I went, Why am I doing this? You know what? I should ask myself <laughs> that. Aren't, aren't things episode. hard enough as it is? I should ask that after the first episode, Kat. <laughs> um, but you know the funny thing also I thought of, like speaking of movies to think about, I did think of Tony Collette. And Haley Jalsman's like the mother and son performance, and I thought about The Exorcist, and it's actually pretty pretty wild how they actually were able to, even though on paper it's kind of the same thing, like Tony Collette just emotes, but she's still like she's still pitching at 100 miles an hour. Grandma says hi. She says she's sorry for taking the bumblebee pendant. She just likes it a lot. What? Grandma comes to visit me sometimes. Cole, that's very wrong. Grandma's gone, you know that. I know. She wanted me to tell you. Cole, please. She wanted me to tell you she saw you dance. She said. When you were little, you and her had a fight right before your dance recital. You thought she didn't come to see you dance. She did. She hid in the back so you wouldn't see. She said you were like an angel. She said you came to the place where they buried her. Asked her a question. She said the answer is every day. I love Toni Collette, and every time I think about her, I'm just mad that she's not in more things that I want to watch. I mean, so you didn't like, want to watch I, that Mafia movie, Mafia I, Mama? I might for her. Seth said it's good. Seth said it's a fun movie, so. I do trust Seth. Did you uh, like Hereditary? Uh it's a wild fucking movie. That movie I actually, shit. I tapped out of that one. I really, Don't Ari, a- Ari Aster, 
does a beautiful job. I personally haven't been able to do any of his movies. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at and all. And I, I want to because I want to see the art, but <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a fucking lot. Like um, Midsummer really got under my skin. The boyfriend in that movie before the even the drugs are involved it is just like like <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't do it. Yeah. I know it ends in a nice like good for her moment, but like I'm fine. Thank yeah. you. But back to Tony Collette. She's amazing. She is. Yeah. I think about her in Knives Out like twice a week. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. She was really good in Knives Out. And this performance is so funny, like Ellen Burst is, is definitely one of my favorite actresses, but I think in that movie, even though I love The Exorcist, it doesn't really do her the favor of what Tony Collette is doing in this movie to where in Exorcist, the mom is basically, she's, she's just like thrown against a wall. It's like, she's like, she's getting battered along with mm-hmm. her daughter. But in this movie, at least Tony Collette is having some kind of agency. Like she's like having conversations with her son. Like she's trying to figure out what's wrong on her own. Like she's, she's a true mother in this movie. Yeah. She's calling the other parents to get them to leave her kid alone. Yeah. She like benefits from having a multidimensional character. Plus being a fucking incredible actor on top of that as well. So I also think this is maybe the least invasive M night Shyamalan cameo. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, he looked mad young too. That was so funny, but that was a good sneak in. That was a good. Uh, that was a good one by him. Cause like sometimes. I mean, it's uh yeah. I mean, you know, it's a marathon, made... not a sprint. But uh, boy, <laughs> I mean, boy, is he sprinting? Hilarious. But I, I appreciate, like, he was very much doctor. He wasn't, like, making, like, jokes or anything. He was like, well, I think you're abusing your son. So uh, I got the social worker over here. She's going to take over from here. So it was a good cameo, though. It was a good cameo. What you feel about Bruce Willis in this? I think he does a beautiful job. I generally like movies where people look, like, disheveled and kind of, like, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, like... He doesn't physically look that shitty in this movie, but he looks so emotionally shitty that it's, like, truly astonishing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Bruce Willis, his 90s decade was so impressive. It it was really incredible. And I think that because, you know, he was, like, diehard, like, Fifth Element, like, 12 Monkeys, like, the Jackal or whatever, like... I think it really is kind of forgotten that he could do dramatic weight. And this is actually one of the only handful of dramatic movies that he actually did. He basically either did just action or comedy or a combination of both. But this was one of the ones that, like, if I'm thinking about, like, the best of him in the 90s, like, performance-wise, this is actually the best performance he probably gave in all his 90s movies. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. It's actually kind of surprising that Sixth Sense... It got nominated for Best Picture. It got nominated for Best Director. It got nominated Prelude to Osmond for Best Supporting Actor. But Bruce did not get nominated for Best Actor. But at the same time, like, 
it was a deep category. Like it was it was Kevin Spacey who who won for American Beauty. Uh yeah. Uh, uh, that that one aged like milk, buddy boy. We're that talking like about milk. that one, aren't we? American Beauty? Yeah. No, unless you want to. <laughs> no, I don't. But I thought it was on one of the Oscar lists, but it might have been the preliminary list that we were trying to pull from initially. Yeah, maybe, but uh yeah, the politics of that is <laughs> that is age like milk buddy boy i uh, i just like videoing plastic bags it's a very normal hobby i'm a very normal teenager oh my god i got my nazi dad's plate to prove it <laughs> but uh Fucking bruce, nazis man i know bruce would have went up against spacey russell crow sean penn and denzel and uh richard farns oh richard farnsworth oh well yeah, I love Bruce, but yeah, he could have set this one out. But Haley Joe getting nominated, I think, is actually, I think that was actually really well deserved. Like his performance is so stellar in this movie. Oh, I totally agree. It's it's a great piece of work that he does. Yeah. But also, I have such a hard time with kid performances. Even if if it's a great movie and a great performance, I'm like, no. It's gonna well, ruin your life, Jimothy. Don't uh, run into the light. Just a bit, man. Just a bit. And it's it's any kid. It's not just him. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm gonna rewatch like some of my old favorite like Disney Channel shows, and I'm like, no, you don't know what's <laughs> coming for you. Yeah, that's funny. I think they have Hollywood, especially for like feature films in this kind of way, like. They've definitely gone away from, like, the kid actor. I think the last two movies that I saw that had great child performances from this year, Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret, and a couple of years ago, Eighth Grade. And those movies are both really, really good. But I don't think we're even doing child boy actors anymore. Like, I can't remember the last, like, boy actor feature movie that I, I've really seen. Like I saw theater, theater camp. Theater camp was good, but the kids are not in that aren't really like starring in the movie. They're right. like they're not like the point. Yeah, which actually the movie would have been better if they were the point. But uh, yeah, but not the movie surprising was, but disappointing. No, but the movie was good. But the, it, if the movie would have been about the kids and then the counselors like as like the kind of background, that movie could have been way better. I think. But for M. Night, I know we touched on M. Night a little bit. And so him getting nominated for Best Director, especially for the cultural phenomenon that 6-6 was, I can totally see it. And as you have eloquently stated, his career is not over. Um, I can also see why this would, like, be a momentum ruiner for you also, though. Like, this is, like, your first, like, big deal movie, and it's this. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we've had directors who had their first movie be a smash and then they you know they kind of show and prove yeah but, I mean, he and had, we've had a lot of not that also uh, um. just, a, just a little bit uh he had unbreakable the year after which you know solid it, yeah it's not the worst thing that's yeah. come out of him yeah it's is decent science it's which, not avatar the last airbender oh my god uh he had still bitter about that he <laughs> he had signs, which I think in the moment a lot of people like signs. I thought it was just Dees, but uh, Mel Gibson. Then uh, he followed that up with The Village, Lady in the Water, 
the happening, the last airbender after Earth. He just went so on a the run. only the only thing I can say about the lady in the water is that like props for a huge swing. Like that movie <laughs> is insane. It is banana pancakes. And it comes from the same, uh, what I call the shark boy and lava girl conceit, where it's like, this is based off of a collaborative bedtime story I told with my children. (laughs) And like, I get that, having now seen this, but there are some things that don't have to leave the bedroom. Hey, hey, all right, all right. And I think the lady in the water is one of them. (laughs) Yeah, so... I don't think Knock at the Cabin got the respect that it deserved, I don't think. I, think I have a, a feeling that one's going to be one where everyone revisits it five years from now and is going to be like, why didn't you tell us about this? And we're going to be like, we did. We literally told you Batista is the it man. And so you should have been on board for that. But also, like, give the man his Oscar movie. I'm ready for it. <laughs> oh, man. We are ready for it. We are dying for it. I think he's got the juice. I think so as well. Like, I legit think he is a very talented actor. I think he can do it. But M. Night, I mean, we gotta... And you know what, M. Night, it's like, because The Sixth Sense was the twist movie, he just got saddled with being the twist director. I think somehow he needs to be broken of that. Because honestly... I would argue that the knock at the cabin's twist was not that twisty. Yeah. It was sad, but it made sense for the characters. It aligned with who they were and where they were trying to get. It's unfortunate that it had to shake out that way. But like, if someone didn't choose to make the call, then the twist of the movie would be that the movie ended with everyone going to hell, which is how the book (laughs) ends. The book ends with them going to hell. Oh, shit. R.I.P. to everyone? Except the two dads and the daughter. The daughter dies. She kills herself by accident, so it doesn't count. I think. shit. Uh, And then it's just the two dads alone. They put that in a book? (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, they can't do it in a movie. They could have. It just wouldn't have. That would have been. No one would have made it at that point. Yeah, that would have been kind of gross. Yeah. Maybe what I'm thinking is that we just need to give him things to adapt. Because that Maybe. was his first adaptation. And, like, The Sixth Sense is not an adaptation. But, like, the first good thing he's done in a really long time has been an adaptation. I'm not saying that's for sure the answer. But I am saying, have we considered that? Yeah. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Ketchinetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Kat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This, this is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?